Breaking up is hard to do. So goes the old Neil Sedaka hit song. Welcome to Wadcast. I'm Charlene Gianetti, editor of Woman Around Town. We've all been there, dealing with the emotions that follow the end of a relationship. The experience can be painful and oftentimes difficult to get past. That rejection, that abandonment, may tap into our deep insecurities. We may question our self-worth, our ability to love and be loved, and our future relationships may suffer. Our guest today, Dr. Carolina Castaños, has 20 years of experience in marriage and family therapy. She says that sometimes it takes hitting rock bottom for a person to start working on herself. I know you are going to be interested in what she has to say. Carolina, thank you so much for being here on Wattcast. Thank you, Charlene, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Let's start by my asking, do men and women react differently to breakups? You know, the reactions, the feelings, the, they're the same. The difference that I've noticed is that sometimes for men it's harder to ask for help, to okay. recognize, you know, that they need help. Okay. Uh, but I see that in general, you know, and, and I think it's something that hopefully will start to change more and more. But in general, people think and see mental health um, and asking help in terms of mental health as a weakness, you know. Mm-hmm. If they feel sad or depressed or anxious or angry or, you know, they, they feel judgmental towards themselves. They, they shouldn't feel that way. They should be strong. So when you have a breakup, when you go through a breakup and you're devastated, you don't want to show people that you are devastated and you don't want to recognize that. Um, so asking for help is definitely would be accepting that, yes, yeah, you know, I can't handle this. So people tend to look for help online or, you know, very, very quietly. Okay. Mm-hmm. But men mostly don't look for help as, as much as women do. Yes, so openly. I see. Yes. Okay. And there is a tendency still, you know, for, for men, and this is a generalization because, of course, there's, there's women as well, but men are taught not to feel, mm-hmm. you know, and have to be strong. So it's, it's harder for men to recognize and to say, how sad and how affected they are, how lonely they feel. You know, vulnerability is very difficult to accept and to let known, be known. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes absolute sense. Does it matter if the breakup follows a long relationship or a short one? You know, more than the time of the relationship, what's important is the story of the relationships that you've had. So what is your story? What are your experiences with relationships? What have you learned since the day, you know, the, the, day, the day you're bored, you learn about relationships. You learn about, are your, do your feelings matter? Do your thoughts matter? Is there someone there for me? So all those experiences shape how you um, respond and kind of how equipped you are to respond to a breakup. So when we have had several losses throughout our lives, then 
it can be extremely devastating, you know, when, when we are, when we are uh, in a longer relationship, when we are older. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, oh. Also, does the intensity of the relationship matter at all? I mean, sometimes a short relationship can be very, very intense. intense. Yes. So, so much so, right, that we, we have learned, in, in, you know, a teenager, for example, after a breakup can even, can even lead to a suicide, right? Mm-hmm. So the sense of, I don't mean anything, right? I'm nothing. Um, but that, again, has to do with what has this person learned about relationships and learned about him or herself, right, from those experiences and relationships that he or she has had in the past. So a very short-term relationship, like you're saying, can be extremely significant and intense, um, and it can have even a, a more devastating um, effect on an individual than a longer-term um, relationship. And you were talking about teenagers. Uh, does yes. age matter at all in this? Do young people mostly bounce back quicker? Uh, more quickly than an older person who goes through a breakup? So when we have had, here's the thing with younger people, they have had less experiences with loss, but it's important how they dealt with those losses. If they have dealt with those losses, if they have processed them, if they have had an outlet, um, someone to talk about their feelings, to talk about what this means to me and how this is shaping me and affecting me, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Then when you're older, um, you have all those resources to deal with things. So age in that sense, again, it matters how, um, how equipped you are to deal with a loss. If you're not, for example, if you have gone through several losses throughout your life and you've never processed them, right, it's like this glass that's filling up, filling up, filling up, filling up. Well, it gets to this one that really breaks it, mm-hmm. right? And you break down. You have a tremendous breakdown. Um, so in that sense, you know, age matters, but not as age itself, but as how am I processing my experiences, what kinds of losses have I had in my life, um, how have I dealt with them, what have I learned from them. Mm-hmm. Take us through the emotions that typically follow a breakup. Okay. So here's the thing with, um, with grief. Because breakups, you go through your grief process. Um, grief varies according to individuals. Okay, there's not, we, we know of, you know, the, the different stages of grief. They are messy. Yeah. <laughs> they don't follow one, you know, oh, first you're going to feel sad and then you're going to feel angry. It doesn't quite happen that way. There can be one day when you have all those emotions, right? Mm-hmm. You feel sad, you feel hurt, you feel angry, you feel depressed, you feel anxious. So emotions, there's all these emotions and they, and they, what, what I can tell you that is that when we feel rejected, so there's, um, with a breakup, sometimes both feel rejected and abandoned, sometimes one feels rejected and is abandoned, right? For example, when there's a third person, when there's a, 
infidelity or um, and that is the cause of a breakup or your your partner leaves you so when we um, when we are rejected when we feel rejected we go through two big stages the first phase is the phase of protest we don't want that right mm-hmm. so um, we do anything and everything not to lose our lover's love, which would be similar to that um, denial phase, right? Not, I can't accept that this is over. Right. right? And we, we feel, in, in that stage, we feel very desperate, very anxious, hurt. But at the same time, we are very motivated to regain the love. So we do things, and sometimes those things aren't all that good for us, right? We can do embarrassing things. We can do things that we would have never done. <laughs> but we feel that. We think about this person all the time. We're, it, we're kind of obsessed with um, our lover. And then when we realize that this will not happen, when, when you know we can't get back together, we go into this resignation phase. And it's in this phase when we kind of, all that motivation, all that energy kind of goes down and we enter st- um, states of depression and uh, feeling very lonely. Um, and that's where it's really, really important to find professional help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does it matter if the breakup is civil or nasty? Oh, it does. It matters. It matters because when a breakup is nasty, especially when we're when we're talking about divorce, when there's children involved, um, we have the court system, we have the legal system, we have attorneys, and that when you enter that, it it, it becomes oh tremendously hurtful. That Mm -hmm. process itself can be traumatizing because it's so, so, so intense and it's just fighting. Um, So it does matter and it it matters for everyone involved, right? So again, if you have kids, they will definitely suffer. Um, Now say that you don't, you're not going, you're not, you're not, you're just having a breakup and it's a very conflictive and, and, and nasty breakup. Usually it goes on, you know, so the, the conflict continues. It's because neither of you or one of you hasn't really let go, <laughs> you know, kind of accepted, okay, this is what's best for us. Um, and they're in that phase that I was telling you about, mm-hmm. um, that first desperation phase and and that phase can be can also be very angry you know it can come out with a lot of hatred yes Uh, and that's when for example going to extremes right you have all those um where people just kill for passion what are they called passionate Mm -hmm. um they have a name right Mm -hmm. that that's the phase when when it happens right Mm -hmm. Uh, so definitely it is very different when both parties agree, even if it's hurtful, even if one doesn't agree that that would be the best thing, but they have to accept it, you know. Um, but doing it in a peaceful way um, makes things easier um, and way better. Yes. 
should breakups always happen face to face rather than by phone, email, or text? That depends on the type of relationship and the so again, breakups is very is a very broad term, right? Mm-hmm. So with that, we go to younger people. Um, we we also include people that might have been living together. And we also include people that have that are that have been married or have kids. So you you think of divorce. So all those kind of go into what would breakup would be. So when you're when when you're dealing with more longer term and, and um, marriage, and it's very hard for that to happen via text um, because you have to have conversations about it. But when it's younger people, you know, and just that type of relationship that does happen via text. And those those are very difficult because you don't have that closure. There's many things that are left unsaid. Mm-hmm. And emotions that you can't read because the text only allows you to see or read, you know, what the person, the other person on the other side wants you to. And it's cold, and, and you can interpret emotion there, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, isn't isn't that a form of avoidance? Uh, you know, breaking up with someone in a text, you know, not willing to face them. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Avoidance and yeah, um, lack of empathy too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. Uh, are there usually warning signs that a breakup is on the horizon? So there's two two types of, of, of relationships. There's one where there is fighting. Either both or one fights and, and, and lets the other person know that they're unhappy. So when in those cases the warning signs are, are there, right? Because those fights become more often and more intense. The thing is that sometimes we get kind of used to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's this other type of relationship where it's quiet, you know? And that type of relationship is the one where it, it becomes more surprising for one of the partners and the other one leaves. Because mm-hmm. they, they they say you know what we never fought, so yes. I'm surprised, you know. So not fighting ever is also a sign, because we do in relationships. It's, it's inherent to relationships, right? We hurt our feelings. We say things that we don't mean, or we sometimes say things in in a way, and the other person interprets them in another way. So it's important to talk about those things. It's important to share what I need and, and um, how I'm feeling. So when we don't and we swallow all that, we become resentful and we become more distant. Mm-hmm. And it's a very silent, quiet, um, you know, kind of distancing more and more. Uh, but people become kind of used to that, it's kind of comfortable, you know, because we're avoiding conflict. Right. Also, another sign that, yeah, this relationship eventually it'll something will happen, right? Mm-hmm. 
And that something, something sometimes is one of them leaving, you know, or, or, or a third person coming in and, or having affairs, either one or, or both, mm-hmm. that, type of, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Is it possible to remain friends with someone after a breakup or does that prevent people from moving on? It is possible, but after a little while. <laughs> there needs to be some time to distance from mm-hmm. each other, mm-hmm. you know, because you do need to, to, to move on, you know, to process what does this mean to me, how is this affecting me, how am I feeling, and when we have a, a, a relationship um, and we continue and we want that person back, right, and that person is kind of there and not there, then when they're not there, that first again, because it's another separation, right? Mm-hmm. Another event. So that is that is definitely important. Looking at it from the other side, do some people yeah. stay in unhappy relationships because they're afraid to hurt the other person? Yes. Yeah. Yes, people do stay in relationships for not hurting the other person. Now, eventually, it breaks up somehow, right? Kind of that—that's kind of what we were right now. When I was saying, you know, there's there's these times, there's these moments when we have um, kind of two people that are not expressing how they feel, and there's this really big space between them, right? They—they—they mm-hmm. they, they feel lonely. They're disconnected. They're not sharing. You know, they're they're sharing kind of, they might be having dinner together or, you know, talking about the kids or whatnot, but they're they're not really sharing their life. So at at some point, that takes some sort, all all that loneliness, if you will, takes shape, Mm -hmm. either by one of them leaving or... By, for example, um, states of depression, of anxiety, those are also ways in which we express that um, loneliness. It comes out in some way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would imagine in a marriage that some people just stay in a marriage because it's there. Uh, there yeah. may be children involved. But doesn't that impact the children if the marriage is, I know we talk about how divorce uh, traumatizes children, but uh, doesn't it also traumatize the children if they see their parents are unhappy? It does. And again, it comes out in these ways that I'm sharing with you, right? So that unhappiness, it's not coming out with words. We're not talking about it. Um, but I'm feeling completely depressed, or I'm having this episodes of anxiety or panic attacks, right? Mm-hmm. And the kids see that, and right. the kids feel that, and they take it in. So sometimes what happens in a family, when, when the parents aren't talking about their issues, is that one child starts acting out. And this is interesting, because it's this child that starts acting out, and it can be, for example, by having intense tantrums um, or by regressing in, um, for example, not being able to sleep at night alone or 
um, depending on, on the age, you know, but wetting their pants again, you know, any anything like that. So kids start acting out, and then parents pay all their attention to that. So that kind of works for the system, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely it has a tremendous impact, and sometimes that impact is, is not easy to detect, like mm-hmm. in these cases. Mm-hmm. So we start focusing on the child that's having anger outbursts, for example, or is having issues at school, and we don't recognize that what's really happening, right, is that there's all this stress that's unsaid, untalked about, and that child is just absorbing it and expressing it in, you know, in, in these different ways. Is that difficult for some parents to accept when they see how their actions are affecting the children? It is difficult. Mm-hmm. And again, the thing is that sometimes it's very, and that's the thing with family dynamics, it's, um, it's not direct. So it, sometimes it really requires for you to sit down and say, okay, what is this child saying with these actions? And does it have to do with me? Mm-hmm. Right? And that's the hardest thing, just to say, what about me in all this? And, and mo- Charlie, mostly parents, what they do is they focus on the child and the issues of the child. So it's the child that has the issues, not me. Yes. And Caroline, in some way, does a child watching this relationship, does that affect uh, the relationships that that child might have in the future? Yes. Yes. So when we were talking at the beginning, so remember I was telling you that more than the relationship or how old you are or how long your relationship has lasted, it's what has been your experience with relationships. This is exactly what I'm talking about. So a child, for example, that grows up in a family where emotions are not talked about, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say dad is unhappy, right? He's very unhappy, but, um, and mom is having, you know, is feeling very depressed because she feels that loneliness, right? So dad doesn't want to leave mom. Dad doesn't really doesn't really feel in love with mom. Is not attracted to mom, um, and he's also depressed. But he's he's doing all he can to maintain this family, right? Mm-hmm. Mom depressed, and again, she it's about she thinks it's about her. She can't put it into I'm depressed because I'm feeling right. So emotions don't they they're not expressed directly. Neither parent really recognize what's happening inside of them. So how will they relate with the child, right? They won't talk about any of that. So the child is learning, you know, you don't talk about emotions, right? Emotions don't matter. My emotions don't matter. So, and I'm feeling anxious. Um, I'm not, I don't feel safe with mom or dad, right? They can't provide that security because they don't feel well either. Right? Mm-hmm. When mom is depressed, for example, mom can't be fully there for me. As much as she wants to, she can't, right? Because she's suffering so much inside. So that child will probably end up in a relationship where um, he or she will not express his or her feelings, right? And will tend to repeat the same cycle, the same dynamic with a partner. 
So because the emotions are not talked about, most likely he or she will kind of um, find someone that um, has the same, you know, avoidance of emotions, right? Be it either really needy, so then I feel important, um, mm-hmm. but, but still you don't talk about emotions, or being avoidant as well. Mm-hmm. So we don't talk about it, you see? So that kind of already kind of sets you up in a way for relationships. So when a relationship ends, what do I do? How do I deal with my sadness? What have I learned? I don't know. Right. <laughs> I don't know how to label my feelings. I don't know how I'm feeling. I don't know what to do with this. This is overwhelming for me. So maybe I'll go into depression. Or maybe I'll start having all this, uh, you know, anxiety and, and, and panic attacks and or anger outbursts, or it'll come out in some way. Um, but I'm not, I, I haven't learned how to deal with pain mm-hmm. or to recognize it and talk about it. You do talk about how sometimes it takes a breakup for a person to hit rock bottom and yes. then turn his or her life around. Yeah. Uh, some people might say, well, that doesn't sound like a good idea to me. But, but why does that happen? Well, it kind of goes along with everything that, I, that, that you and I have been talking about today. Because when you, um, when you go through a breakup and you feel that you can't stand up, right? It's too much. You feel devastated. That is telling you that there is more, that deeper, right, inside of you, more than this breakup, right? Mm -hmm. What about losses in your life? How have you dealt with them throughout your life? How have those losses shaped you? How have they affected you, right? Have they made you more guarded? Have they made you more, you know, scared of losing? And then because you're so scared of losing, you end up accepting people to treat you in certain ways, for example, right? So sometimes it, it takes that, you know, to, to, to get to that point where you're like, I can't, I can't function. To look inside of yourself and say, okay, what can I do? How can I learn from this experience? It can help me to be a better me. That's the whole idea of um, that's the whole idea of learning from an experience mm-hmm. and growing from it. And at that moment, it really like it, it's so painful that it's hardest to think in that way. But sometimes that is what takes for us to say, "Okay, I can't do this." Sometimes that's what it takes to say, I need help, mm-hmm. you know, because all these other times I thought that I could do it on my own. I thought that, you know, I can handle this. I've, yeah, I'm, I'm strong. I can't, um, but you haven't. So it, it's actually what I say to all my pa- patients, because my patients come to see me when they've reached that point, when they can't anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? And I say, you know, this is actually a good thing. It's a good thing because it's an opportunity for you to look inside of yourself and for you to learn about yourself and to learn about this experience, to make you better, to stop, 
the cycle. Because if you take a look at everything, there's been things that have been repeating in your life. So there's something about you in that. And until you, you figure that out, you will continue with those cycles and that dynamic. So it's a huge wake-up call. Exactly. Okay. Yes. What happens if someone doesn't accept the breakup and continues to contact the other person? Uh, I'm wondering if these situations ever get violent or even may require uh, a restraining order. Yes, exactly. So remember when we were talking about those two faces, Mm -hmm. right? So the first one is the protest face. In that face, um, one of the one of the emotions can be, you know, hatred. We even get to feel that, you know, and it can reach a rage, um, and that can lead to violence, um, and definitely, you know, restraining orders. And, and in this stage, when there's not an acceptance, and there's all this motivation, right, not not to lose that love. And we're doing it in a way that that is not um, healthy, right? Because when it comes with a lot of anger and wanting to be revengeful, and but in, in this stage, when you were you were saying, what does it what does it take? Um, it eventually, eventually, but sometimes many things need to happen for you to reach that point to say, okay, you know, I need to resign. This this will not it will not happen, and you will reach that. Um, but sometimes many, too many things have happened because we lose that sight of um, our boundaries. Um, our brain, the chemistry in our brain changes for that moment. So we, we really become obsessed. Um, we think about that person all the time. Um, we have, we're motivated to do all these things. And again, we do things that we would never do normally, if you will. Um because our, our, our brain is activated in this, in this mode um, of gaining that love back. Actually, it, this is interesting because the same part of your brain that's activated um, when you feel abandoned is active, it's the same part of your brain in the same system that's activated with uh, withdrawal of drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the same type of behavior, right? It's very risky to get your your kind of your 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 love, which would be the high. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we often hear after a breakup that there is a bounce back relationship that never works out until you find yeah. another relationship after yeah. that. Uh, is that yeah. true? Yeah. So. When we were talking about getting into these cycles and and when you don't recognize the dynamics in your relationships, um, you will repeat them. And here's the thing with dynamics. Dynamics in a relationship are not, you have to really think about that. Um, When you think about your relationships, you tend to describe them as the personality of the person. And you say, well, they're so different, right? This one was more extroverted and this one wasn't. And this one was all, all these traits that were different. So you're like, I, I can't find anything in common. That's not what I'm talking about when I say the dynamic. 
in the dynamic of a relationship, there's basically, there's, there's two ways in which we respond, right? When we feel threatened. And threat in a relationship is feeling that I'm not important to you. Um, so this possibility of abandonment or re- rejection, those are the worst things that can happen to human beings. So when we feel that way, we respond either by withdrawing and shutting down or by going after, right? Mm-hmm. So these, these two responses, when you have two people, take different shapes, right? So it can be both of them going after one another, and those are very explosive fights, or it can be both of them withdrawing, right? And it's the example that we were talking about when you don't talk about things, right? You just avoid conflicts. Or it can be, and this one is actually the most common, when one of them withdraws and the other one goes after, right? So it's these typical examples of you never do this and you never do that and the other person say, I don't want to talk about it. I can they leave the room and the other person's going after that. Talk to me. You never talk to me. So that's the dynamic. So when I'm talking about the dynamic, that's it. What do you do? How do you respond when you feel rejected or abandoned? Do you tend to shut down? Do you tend to go after? And what type of, of, of partner, you know, have you chosen? What can you, can you recognize a certain dynamic there, you know? Mm-hmm. Have you all been more of the passive? Have you been always more of the going and and after or, or withdrawing yourself? What have you done? So that's the dynamic that I'm talking about. So when you don't think about that, when you don't recognize what about you in that dynamic and your experiences in your life, you will repeat that dynamic because you will respond like you respond, Right. So you'll shut down, and you won't talk, and you'll avoid conflict, and you'll tend to connect with someone that does the same, for example, right? So those bounce-back relationships are usually more of the same. It feels really good right now because I feel seen, Um, but that's kind of the honeymoon phase, right? So when the honeymoon phase fades, you find yourself with these moments when you do feel abandoned, you do feel, you know... And how do you react? So you're going to react the same way. So that's the dynamic, and that's what we need to see. Um, and that's kind of the engine in the car. People tend to come and say, oh, the car's not working. And they look at the dents and the paint, all the exterior things, um, which is what you can see. But what you really have to pay attention is what you don't really see, but it's how this works. What is the dynamic underneath all this stuff, the content, the story? Wow. All such good advice, Carolina. Mm-hmm. So uh, thank you so much for talking sure. with us today about this. Uh, uh, lots of food for thought. Um, lots of areas that we could still explore. We could probably go yes. on for another hour and a half here. But thank you so much, Uh Again, I'm Charlene Gianetti, editor of Woman Around Town. We've been talking to Dr. Carolina Castaños about surviving and moving on after a breakup. So thank you so much, Carolina. Thank you so much, Charlene, for having me.